You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And we are live. Welcome back to another episode of, wait for it, Millennial, Millennial Money. Thank <laughs> you guys so much for joining us today. As a quick reminder, make sure to subscribe. You got to hit the like button. And uh, we got to thank our sponsor, FTX, but we'll talk about them a little bit later when we talk about all this crypto regulation that's going down. So uh, anyway, guys, the market's been up like crazy today. Yeah, Woo! and Corsair is actually making me money. What's no. up? Corsair. Thank you, Jerry. Corsair. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing less money now <laughs> than I used to. See, that's why you buy the dip, Andre. And as it goes down, you buy heavier, baby. You could be up today. You could be up. Hey, hey, hey. Tell me, what happened with Corsair? Why is it up 9% in the after hours? Yeah, so they're getting added to the S&P 600 small cap. So Ooh, um, Wait a minute. Yeah. I legit have never heard of that word in my life. S&P 600, that's a thing. Yes, small cap. Ooh. Yes, okay. so uh, it, it's something I actually referenced in a lot of videos recently because S&P mm -hmm. 600 small cap has been trading really, really cheap on a forward P basis, like the cheapest it has in like a decade, essentially. And so them getting added to this index is, is obviously a huge deal. It can attract a lot more money, a lot more attention. And um, there's a lot of these companies that have went public in the past year or two that I don't think uh, people even think are going to be entering a lot of these indexes and are over the next few years, but um, haven't. And so it's nice because you get a nice uh, you know support level if you can get into these big indexes. Obviously, the king one is S&P 500. That's the big yeah. dog. So. Jeremy, what's the ETF ticker symbol for the S&P 600? Ooh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I don't know off the top of my head. But and, um, and So did they join the S&P 500 because like their revenue hit a certain threshold or their market cap or what made yeah, it? Yeah, they're not, just to be clear, they're not in the S&P 500 yet. Uh, they got to be quite a big, uh, you know, bigger level than that. But uh, with Corsair, they're consistently profitable. So that makes mm -hmm. them eligible. And um, they're a smaller cap company around a $2 billion company. And to get into the indexes, usually they want to see several quarters of profitability, essentially. And, um, you know, that's like when Tesla got in, that was like a huge deal. Like Tesla was a 30, 40, I think even a $50 billion market cap and wasn't in the S&P 500 for the longest time. But it's because, you know, Tesla wasn't profitable. Once they hit consistently, I think it was four quarters in a row of profitability, then they were allowed in. I think you guys remember that move, right? In the S&P 500, when, when Tesla got at it, that was the hype, man. That was crazy. That's this is actually quite a difference between the S&P 600 and the 500, okay? So because they're smaller caps, the weighting looks like it's slightly different. So the S&P 600 was up 2.2% today versus the S&P's 1.8%. So I thought, mm. you know, okay, that's interesting. But over a year, the S&P 600 is, uh, let's see, is only up 2.5% over the last year versus the S&P up 13.69%. Now, mm. over five years, it's actually quite substantial. The S&P 600 is up about 55% versus the S&P 500 at 90%. Wow. So it goes to show you how, how much those top, let's say those top 10 companies in the S&P 500 bring up the entire average. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think if you're if you're going for the S and P six hundred, you may as well just go all small caps, yeah. and then stick with the S and P five hundred if you're going to do that. But yeah. it's interesting. I didn't know it would make that substantial of a difference to be in the six hundred. 
huh? Did you guys uh, watch the Super Bowl, by the way? I did. You did? A little bit. Did you see that yeah. Coinbase uh, ad with the whatever it was, it was doing? Fantastic. Yeah. That's I was crazy. watching that. I was like, what is that? And I'm like, I always have paid attention to the commercials. I was shocked, by the way, how many crypto commercials there were. And I'm half paying attention. I'm like, that's odd. What is that? And I, and I did it on my phone. And like, it came up as Coinbase. I'm like, that's, that's genius. Yeah. And uh, the it FTX, crashed the site. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, they got so many hits. It crashed the site. Oh my gosh! What? Because yeah. I I heard it was uh I heard it you know like some people were trying to scan it and they couldn't scan it. Like people were trying to make out like it was a flop, like it was a smart idea, but it wasn't executed. But it doesn't sound like that. If it no, it was great. Right? That's great. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Anyway. But yeah. that, that reminds me, Coinbase is not nearly as good as our sponsor today, FTX. Thank you, FTX, for, for sponsoring today's video. We appreciate you as always. Graham, you want to tell us a little bit about FTX and why everybody yeah. should go start with our link in the description area? Oh, absolutely. Well, besides helping out the channel, um, FTX, they had a great uh, Super Bowl ad. So they ran this competition I thought was really interesting. So like, I was telling friends to be like, hey, you know, FTX is doing this thing. You may as well, you never know. I think like 150,000 retweeted their, their post. But basically F what FTX was doing when their ad aired, they were giving that time away in Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. if the ad airs, let's say at 8.45 PM, they're giving away 8.45 Bitcoin. So um, it, it was a good way for them to get a lot of followers on, on Twitter. You just have to repeat it. I don't know who won it. But uh, anyway, I thought it was pretty good. And I was actually surprised with how many cryptocurrency and uh, EV commercials we saw in the Super Bowl. But uh, as far as FTX is concerned, because they are a sponsor of today's video, they are one of the largest and most complete cryptocurrency apps in the world with more than 6 million users who buy, sell, trade both NFTs and cryptocurrencies all in one place. They used to be Blockfolio, which is something that I used to use back in like 2000. 17 to track uh all the cryptocurrency and you could still track it using ftx so they have over 10,000 options all you got to do is you know type in whatever you want you can track it it's fantastic but anyway we have a link in the description for anyone who wants to sign up they got a crypto debit card every uh, what it was every trade you do over ten dollars you get free crypto so you may as well it's a great platform they're cheaper than all the other platforms so feel free to use the link down below in the description and it helps out our channel tremendously yeah, don't forget to mention they also have no fixed fees on transactions and no withdrawal fees and no NFT fees on top of Ethereum and Ethereum and Solana collectibles. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, so uh, cool. yeah. Oh, and, you know oh, about? I was about to say, good news. I, uh, I did, I did bet on the Super Bowl and I won. I won on a nice. hundred dollars. Yeah, that's, that's right. Cool. Dude. Yeah. Okay. So did you hear that statistic, by the way, when, uh, well, now that the, uh, uh, what is it? The Rams won. Uh, the stock market is supposed to go up this year based on uh, sports statistics. It's it's completely non-correlated, but it's it's just a fun little fact. So I was Explain excited this, about that. I saw you posted the video, and I didn't. I think you posted on a Friday. I didn't get a chance to to see it. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the video. Yeah, it's a silly statistic. Uh, and by the way, I'm not a uh, uh, football like nerd. I don't know much about football. But there's two kinds of teams. There's AFC and uh, NFC, right? And historically speaking, whenever an, a team from the AFC has won the Super Bowl, the stock market has not done as well as teams from the NFC. And since uh, Rams are from the NFC, technically, it's supposed to be a good year for the stock market. Uh, that's just basically the core of it. Reminds me of Groundhog Day. Yeah. You know? the Groundhog Day, it's like you could predict things based on that. Yes, that's kind of what it is. And it was actually started uh, in, in, in the first 25 Super Bowls. Now, since we have more data, it's not as accurate. But the reason that rumors started is because the first 25 Super Bowls that we've had, it was 99.9% .9 accurate in predicting the stock market. Like the stock market averaged 11% returns in the last 25 Super or the first Super uh, 25 Super Bowls. And then the, whenever a team from the AFC won, it was negative 2% for 25 years. So you could have literally bet money back then. But now, again, we have more information. The data has kind of reverted to the, you know, to the mean. It just doesn't make sense to bet anymore. But it's a fun little fun fact. You could tell you a little. So, yeah, party. So the Rams won NFC team. So that means 80% uh, probability we're up now, right, Andre? Yes, we're going up, Jeremy. We are going up. No, well, for how, not for sure. 80%. 80% works so out 80%. Every, time, every time. Yes, but uh, but how much does it go up and for how long? In terms of what? When the Super Bowl? 
yeah, for the for the market. For how much how much on, does the market go up on average? Did you get that number? Oh, by no, I don't. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but and that's what yeah. we needed. That's what we needed, yeah. Andre. We we got to get the details. <laughs> Watch the video. Okay. okay, we'll 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 go watch it, Andre, and then I'm seeing that if the Rams win, there's a higher probability that Tattooed Chef goes to fifty dollars <laughs> plus. Wouldn't you believe that? I just, I just read it on here. He's, there's a comment. Just made so. it up. Yeah, I just made it up. I'm making up. Uh, yeah, all types of stuff. So, guys, in in terms of the market, you know, what do you view on this market right now? Obviously, today was a really good day for the market. I think we all saw that, but it has been very rough sledding out there. Uh, I, I don't know how much you guys watch CNBC and stuff like that, but like constant negativity cycle, it seems like we're in with the Russia situation, with inflation, with the Fed, you know, what is, what is your here right now to not do anything silly. So the market, <laughs> okay. yeah, because uh, Jeremy, from my understanding, and it could be wrong, but is, is the reason the stock market kind of going up because the tensions are kind of, you know, not as bad, I suppose, today? between Ukraine and yeah. Russia is that what the stock market's doing yeah so I was I was watching futures overnight and uh, futures were were red okay not red yeah. but a lot of red a little and then all of a sudden I didn't check for like an hour or two I come back on and all of a sudden the Russell was up like 1.5 percent Nasdaq was up like 1.2 percent I'm like what the heck just happened like why did futures just go crazy out of nowhere I checked in news it just broke at that time overnight that Russia was supposedly sending some troops back to their base and so we get this relief rally today of this Russia situation, which, by the way, and I would love to hear your guys take on this. Russia has said the entire time we have no intentions to invade Ukraine. Now, Russia could be liars, but basically what they're saying is the U.S. is blowing this whole thing out of proportion. The U.S. media is trying to create drama in this situation that's not really there. And so I don't know, you know, given our history, I'm obviously a proud American, but given our history, I wouldn't be surprised if we're, we're trying to blow this thing out of proportion like we do. And, um, you know, you know, maybe Russia has no intentions um, to actually in invade. But the truth will be known very shortly because uh, everybody expects if Russia was to make a move, they're expecting it to happen this week or next week. Most folks are saying this week. So, we're, you know, it ends up looking like a, a, you know, silly in this situation is our politicians who have been saying, oh, yeah, Russia is going to invade this week. And if Russia is like backing off troops and like, no, we're not. It, our, our politicians just look like a joke in that scenario. Right. So. Well, I anyway, feel like either way they kind of win because if, if they believe it's going to happen, they're a little bit more cautious. I believe sometimes being cautious, it doesn't really hurt that much. I mean, sure, the market's affected in the short term, but probably better to be cautious than, than not. And if it doesn't happen, then it, oh, that's good. That's a good thing. And then if it does happen, well, you know, we, we kind of anticipated that. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting, I, I thought about this the other day. So, so if, if anyone watching this doesn't know, I'm, I'm Russian. I was born actually in the Soviet Union, before, like right before it collapsed. So technically I'm a Soviet. And it's funny is so I was reading some history and, and the reason NATO was created was to protect countries against the Soviet Union. Now, Ukraine wants to join the Soviet Union. Uh, and, and what's interesting is uh, like, I don't know what the media is telling people in Russia, but. I mean, it seems like Putin just kind of wants his presence, uh, you know, in, in, in the surrounding countries nearby. Uh, and, and, and it's funny because, like Jeremy was saying, here, here in the West, we're kind of spinning this into a narrative of like, oh, things are bad. Is it scary? And it, it gets views and clicks. Like, I get it. But at the same time, it's like the U.S. has presence, I think, in every country at this point. So it's, I don't know, man, calling the kettle black here. So I don't know. Uh, it's, it's one of those things or like, I don't follow it too closely, but I'd love to see some statistics, how the stock market does during, I don't know, uh, geopolitical tensions. Ooh, I actually got something like that. I'm going to send that over to Alex here in just a second and see if he can throw that on the screen. Cause I actually have, um, just last night I, I had something in regards to that. So, but yeah, so Andre, you, you, you think it's uh, a little bit of, we're, we're blowing this thing out of proportion a little bit and maybe Russia doesn't have an agenda to actually invade. I mean, whether they do or, or not, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, whether, I guess it depends on wh whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing or if it matters. Um, I don't know. Uh, I can't, I can't say. I haven't yeah. talked to Vlad in a while. The thing that frustrates a lot of folks is, is uh, it always seems like here in the States, we got to get involved in everything around the globe. I know. That's the, yeah, everything. It ha has to be everything. 
But yeah, so okay, I found this map. So or you just texted this map. What is this? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, over over time, basically, you know, with the Soviet Union and, uh, you know, basically the non-NATO countries and now how yeah. so dominated. Now. So, so everyone, just, we can't see the map yet, but it's basically it shows uh, Russia and the surrounding countries in red and Europe in blue. And it, and it shows an expansion of NATO countries over time from 1990 to 2015. And uh, I guess if I was Putin, I would be looking at that map and just being like, yo, <laughs> like, give me some space, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, it's all yeah. silly to me. But I could see how the stock market gets scared anytime there's, you know, uh, uncertainty. And so, I, Jeremy, do you think that this is uh, something to time the market, like buy more because of potential geopolitical tension? Is that is that a good thing for the stock market or is that? not a good thing yeah i mean in the short term it's, it's a bad thing right uh any sort of fear driven anything but the way i kind of think about it is you know what we know consistently about the stock market over the past you know whatever 50 years or whatever we want to take it back to right is anytime there's a lot of fear in the market it is the time to buy right and when we think about like the market we've been in recently there's so much fear in the market and that's why you see a lot of people trying to time the market and do all these sorts of things right um, options market's gone insane recently and at the end of the day we're just in an ultra fear mode inflation fed russia all this stuff now there's uh, i don't know if you guys have an opinion on the wage uh situation but everybody's oh, like wages are about to go insane spiral. <laughs> yeah <The> spiral yeah <laughs> Graham, oh, can the, you explain that to folks? Hold on, hold on. Graham, yeah. before we get into that spiral, just to, just to conclude the geopolitical thing. So, uh, Jeremy, you sent this. Uh, so all of these market events with, with uh, tensions, geopolitical tension, this is from LPL Research, by the way. Uh, the average, uh, gosh, it's, it's going back all the way to 1941 since Pearl Harbor. And it's showing that and it goes all the way to 2020. And the average performance of the stock market is... 1.2% down 1.2% in a day. And the total drawdown is down 5%. So I guess we can, I guess, conclusively say that geopolitical tension is not so good for the stock market, but maybe good for oil stocks. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, this is, this is interesting. When you look at this, I don't know how to put this on screen. Um, but uh, you know what we could do? Actually, um, let's see if I could, because it's a file. Copy image address. I'm going to post this in the comments. Nice. Is this going to, is this going to work if I do a file? Try it. Yeah, you can try it. I don't think it will, but if, if someone just gonna, and paste it, that came up as a whole bunch of jargon. <laughs> like it came up like that. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, uh, it's interesting. Between Pearl Harbor, the market dropped twenty uh, percent. Versus something like, uh, I mean, none of this is, uh, I mean, it's all, it's all pretty tragic, but uh, the, the lowest drop has been 0.3 all the way to 20% with an average of five. Yeah. So I guess, could we conclusively say it's, it's not a good thing if, if uh, there's tension in the world? Yeah, I mean, no. obviously. But, but yeah. I think that the big takeaway is just, it's just uncertainty. It's the uncertainty oh, it's of so what bad. might happen, where this might lead. Obviously, anything is tragic, um, but from yeah. a market perspective, it's uh, it's it's really just all uncertainty. I, I wonder, I wonder where that saying comes from. When people kind of assume, I've talked to a lot of people, and I've asked them this question: like, what do you think happens to the stock market when it's wartime? And people are like, oh, war is very profitable for us. And I, I mean, according to this data, it's it's obviously not. So I'm wondering where that rumor started and how it came from. There must be some truth to it. It's just maybe not in the stock market. Well, World War II provided a lot of jobs. Um, yeah. so that's what helped push us, I believe, out of it, really push us out of the, the great depression. There's yeah. one thing we don't need right now. It's more jobs. We need more workers in this country. Oh my gosh. Everywhere it goes understaffed. I don't know if you guys ever go out or anything, uh, but everywhere is understaffed massively everywhere I go, every restaurant, fast food place. It doesn't matter where it is understaffed. It's insane. So, yeah. yeah, but we do have that that interesting uh, thought about the wage spiral. And I don't know if this is going to be something as big as like the great resignation where people are leaving their jobs and moving around. But it is interesting that uh, there is a shortage of workers right now. With inflation, companies have to pay more. But that means that by paying more, that cost gets passed on somehow. I mean, 
there's, there's a lot of companies out there that don't operate on massive profit margins. So if their cost goes up, that cost is usually reflected in the price that you pay. So if you're going and you're buying, let's say, AirPods, and all of a sudden now they're paying their employees double because that's the market rate and they can't get enough people, that means you're going to probably pay a little bit more for AirPods. So as they pay more, prices get more expensive, which then means that people have to earn more to buy those items, which means that they get paid more, which causes it's basically you get in a cycle where prices cost more, so people have to earn more. But as they earn more, that cost gets reflected back in the prices, which have to go up more, and you get in this spiral of, of wages. Now, I believe it was... I believe it was also World War II, or maybe it was in the, yeah, I believe it was the 50s. They had, uh, I, I'm blanking on the term, but they had fixed pricing, basically. They had price, uh, it was like a price control, where they said that you couldn't charge more than this amount for this item. This is what the price is, because they did that in order to stop that cycle, because it was going up so quickly. So I, I doubt we would see something like that again, but you never know. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Uh nowadays companies have so much pricing power and you guys know how they know that they have the the power to increase their prices it's the resale market it's so crazy like nike for example they started to raise prices of their shoes because they're seeing their shoes resell in the market you know like a couple minutes after they get released for you know like a hundred percent uh you know profit and it's just like well if people are buying it at twice the retail cost surely we can increase you know our cost by ten dollars so it's that's what's going on. They're, they're looking at the secondary resale market to see how much power they have. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of these companies, man, they, they almost have monopolies on a lot of these industries. You know, if you think about some of the brands that really dominate, you know, most of the aisles you go into in a Walmart, there's usually two, maybe three big brands that dominate an entire space, right? You know, think about like the cereal aisle, you know, Kellogg's and General Mills dominate. They own so many of those brands there. Think about Coke and Pepsi. They own so many of those brands in that soda aisle. So as long as both the companies are kind of like cool with it, you know, they, they can get away with raising prices. And at the end of the day, if you're a consumer, you know, what are you going to buy? You, of course, you're going to buy it. The one thing that concerns me, guys, is, is rents going up. Cause that's a, that's a big dollar amount. It's like one thing if it's like, Oh, toilet paper got a little more expensive or, you know, paper towels got a little more expensive, but I'm like the rent, the rent situation. I mean, you could be talking about an extra 200, 400, $600 a month. And so that's the one thing that concerns me about. Uh, Jeremy, I mean, you're obviously not a landlord. <laughs> what, what is it even more than that? Jeremy? What are you talking about? It's true. <laughs> I was I was just thinking about this. I'm like, the people that have made out the best in this whole situation are landlords because real yeah. estate's gone insane. So you've made a ton of equity, Graham, and so, so, uh, now you can charge way more for rent. I'm like, well, here, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Housing, if housing prices go up 30%, I see it as almost impossible that rents won't eventually follow that same trajectory. To me, it just kind of makes sense. Uh, and unfortunately, with housing prices going up, it is benefiting the people who buy the houses. Now, obviously, or people that own the houses, people that are buying have the means to buy. The renters usually, not always, but a large portion of the renter population doesn't have the means to buy a house. They don't have the extra savings to plunk down for a down payment. So they are very much in a position where they, you know, they got to continue renting. But it does make it even harder to buy a house when the rent also goes up 30%. But it but it's at a point where it's just like the cost for doing business is both the landlord and the homeowner are going up to a point where you have to raise the rents. It's like, let's just say you're, you're a grocery store. This might be a terrible example, but let's say you're a grocery store and it's costing you $5 to buy a bag of carrots. Well, if you used to sell carrots at $3, you're going to be like, well, I'm not going to sell them at $3 anymore. I don't, I don't make any money. It's not, I'm going to go out of business if I sell them at $3. So I have to sell them at $5.50 because it's costing me five and I got to make a profit on that. Landlords are thinking the exact same way. There is a base rent that landlords have to get in order to make sense. And when they're buying a property for 30% more, their costs are 30% higher. Their mortgage is 30% higher. Their property taxes are higher. Insurance costs. That's a big one. Um, Insurance costs are skyrocketing right now. Why? Because if the house burns down, how much is that going to cost to fix? Your, your premiums are now baked into the cost of, well, 
labor is 30% more expensive. Uh, materials are 30% more expensive. Your replacement cost is 30% more. Your premiums are going to go up. So like every single cost across the board is going up for a landlord. And so I think you're, you're having a lot of people both see a very competitive market and also the fact that their bottom line has to increase. The end result is that it squeezes the people, a lot of people who can't afford it. And I'm sure there are plenty of renters that, you know, they can afford it. It's not a big deal. But for a lot of people, it's uh, it's going to squeeze them. It's so, crazy because the rents in some cities, it says, is, is up as much as 30%, so, which okay, is so, crazy. Yes, yes I mean, and no. Price is nowhere near 30%. Yes and no. So I looked into that because uh, I, was, I was very curious. I'm like, where are rents going up 40%? They're not. They're not okay. going up 40%. So here's how they... It was, it, that was a study from Redfin. And here's where it gets really interesting. They quote, oh, rents are going up 40%. It's the same thing like, uh, what, what was it? 30% of their, the tenants are not paying rent. But it turns out that that quote was not paying rent in full on time. And historically, 28% of renters never paid their rent. It's like, so we, we added an extra 2% on that. It wasn't that bad. In this case, what's interesting is that the 40% number came from Austin, Texas. And... Specifically for that, they're counting in the average rental price for units across the board. And they saw the average rental in, in Austin went up 40%. But what they're not counting is all the new construction buildings that are asking double what all the other older buildings were asking. Austin's seen a huge housing boom. So when you have an old, you know, granny suite here, and then you have a brand new luxury modern townhome that's rented for double because a person from California is moving in and paying $5,000 a month instead of the 1500 that average price gets boosted up. So, so you're yes, saying they're taking the developer new, new rent. Okay. They're, they're not, taking not the existing ones that they're increasing on tenants, but, but Correct. just whatever the new developers are doing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when you consider that there are so many developers going in Austin and they're fixing places up, they're making them nicer. They're adding square footage. They're building these yeah. brand new places. 40% makes sense. Now, yeah. when I looked into the average rental increase for Austin, I think it was somewhere around 12 to 14%. Now, granted, it's still 14% more, but it's not 40. So, Did yes. The, the Las Vegas and Henderson area and Summerlin as well is 30%. It's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. I I don't know how it's going to continue, but uh, I don't know. I, I think for Nevada, the worse California gets, the, the, the better real estate values get here. So I think yes. if you're bearish true. on true. California as, as for everything, if you're bearish on them, Nevada, Texas, Florida, any low-income tax state is probably going to do well. If California yeah. turns itself around, if they if they add the state income tax, the SALT deduction, if they get rid of that cap um, and it fundamentally changes, I think you're going to see a lot of people moving back. Yeah. So. Thanks, Gavin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, that's you, you, guys, you guys have nice shirts. I just want to compliment you both. Both your shirts are very nice. Very nice. Oh, H&M or what we got going on here? Uh, yeah, this is a gift. This is a gift from Jason Oppenheim. He bought this ah. shirt and then he buffed up too much and he couldn't fit in it anymore. <laughs> so then he gave it to me. And uh, it's it's so comfortable. This must be like a $300 shirt. Like it feels like silk. And the reason I, Wait, you're I not kidding. This, yeah, I know. The reason I wore this was because uh, I went to the gym and I was really hot and every t-shirt was just like too hot. So this is cooler than a t-shirt, believe it or not. Wow. That's I, cool. I knew, I knew, I knew that you couldn't have bought that shirt, Graham. I was like, that looks way too expensive for your taste. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I bought this shirt in Russia for like $6. For one what? Yeah. I'm going to Russia, man. That's a good shirt yeah. for $6. Good quality. Yeah. Probably has no yeah. tears in it anywhere. What, what's the Russian economy like over there, uh, Andre? Like, you know, how would you describe it when you go over, <laughs> go over there, you know? I don't live there, but it's, it's crazy because the, the average salary where I'm from anyway in my city, which is uh, about like three hours away from Moscow, okay. um, it's near the Caspian Sea. And over there, like my uncle, for example, he's a naval engineer. Uh, a lot of my family is just engineers. That's just what it is. That's... Uh, the stereotype there, which happens to be true. And per month, they get paid $350. That's their monthly income, like a working professional. Now, granted, the cost of living there is substantially lower than here, but uh, the Russian uh, middle class is shrinking more and more every single day. 
Like there's there's no there's no middle class. It's like either super rich or you're just living paycheck to paycheck. It, it just seems like the middle class is continually shrinking there. Um, that that's kind of the situation there. But the awesome. food there is amazing. I love the food there. You love the food. Okay. Are you talking about like uh, eating at home or are you talking about going to restaurants or, or what are we talking about? Everything. The quality of food there is great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really good. Okay. Well, can you give us some Russian dishes? Cause I don't even know. I can't even like imagine anything. I don't know what to expect here. <laughs> no, man, I don't cook. I just, I just eat it. I know I just get okay. fat when I go there. I gain like 20 pounds and then I come back. I'm like, dude, I got to hit the gym. <laughs> yeah. oh gosh yeah, yeah no that that's yeah russia because i mean i was reading through a, a gentleman's comment and he's from he was from russia originally as well and uh he, he left a really in-depth comment in in the private stock group recently and, and he was going into basically why um he thought russia's not going to invade uh, you know or make mm -hmm. a move there and he was going into a lot of details around the vibes of you know how a lot of russians don't are not happy with putin right now and if he was to make a move into Ukraine, they would be even more upset with him um, mm. because he, you know, a lot of them feel like, you know, that's the last thing they need is now all of a sudden a war on their hands. Um, so that, yeah. that, was, that was from his standpoint. I could see that. I don't know. I don't live there. But like I said, when I did go there, I always asked people what their perspectives were and they were highly supportive of it just because the Russian media is state owned. And so mm -hmm. Putin's ratings are insanely high. And, and if they're not, then it, at least on the surface, it seems like it is. So maybe something's changed in the last few years. I don't know. But from a payments perspective, since the U.S. is threatening, you know, uh, SWIFT and cutting them off from that, I could see how that would be a huge, huge threat to them. Um, yeah, but, you know. I wonder. Yeah, and I don't know if, if um, when it comes to, let's say, his ratings, I don't know how real those are, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Is, is it it's possible? Like just the, the, well, well, one thing is true. The older population in Russia is highly supportive of him. Anyone okay. who's like younger than 25 could see right through it. Like they, they, they understand things need to change, but they're not the ones in power. Uh, yeah. yeah. And this individual was a younger person. They're, they were definitely under 30. So maybe they're, yeah. they're, they have a different, you know, demographic. Look 100%. And, 100%. Yeah. People under 30 know what the internet is and, and they use it. <laughs> And, and they, you know, they're connected to the world, whereas the older people, they, they just consume their information from, you know, state-owned media. So it's a very different story. Yeah. It feels yeah. like, sometimes it feels like China and, and Russia are kind of like, I don't know how, how to explain it. It almost seems like they should be friends more than they are. You know, sometimes they get those type of vibes because it almost seems like they're kind of in their own islands. Well, well aren't they trying to be friends? And they're just like, hey, let's create our own partnership and just not use the current uh, the world reserve currency and not use the dollar and that's kind of what i'm curious to see what what happens in the future with with all of the situation with you know bitcoin potentially supplementing or maybe even replacing the dollar it probably won't replace anytime soon but um, what's what, what's russia's stance on bitcoin and ethereum and the other cryptos initially they were going to ban it they, they they wanted to ban it um but now it seems like they're open to it uh that's that's you know they they, they flip-flopped on that which kind of makes sense because you know if you if you're threatened to be cut off from the world financial system, you're like, dude, what do we use? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't trust your currency, China. Well, I don't trust your ruble. It's like, all right, well, like, <laughs> let's use Bitcoin. I don't know. It makes yeah. sense. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker. 
engineering your success. I, I think it makes sense for them too. I mean, you know, it just opens up. I think if I was them, I would go all for it. I mean, it opens up another um, area of innovation. You know, think yeah. about Bitcoin mining that could be going on over there and just the, the innovation in general. It's like, you know, why do you want to be left behind on that? The more you push back against it, the more you're going to be left behind. So, yeah, know, well, yeah. the way this ties into to to the regulations that we just had this week with um, uh, it'd be interesting because because the U.S. I think right now is the number one country in the world by by hash power. So so mining, we're the number one, which is great. And I hope the U.S. doesn't lose that status. But it seems like the SEC really wants to crack down on on regulations. Yeah, Andre, um, can on, you explain what's what's going on with that? Because I have not kept up to date at all. Uh, yeah, so 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 the SEC is heavily investigating all of these um, crypto lending products, which is pretty much everyone from you know Gemini, Coinbase, Celsius, Voyager, all those guys, BlockFi, and and BlockFi was recently fined a hundred million dollars. So they were fined uh, fifty million dollars to pay to the SEC, and the other fifty million to thirty-two states in the U.S for um operating without uh being registered as a security because technically these lending products they don't pass the howey test right uh and the howey test i think looks for four things um uh one of them is is there an expectation of profit which yes 100 percent. whenever we deposit money and we try to earn interest there is an expectation of profit uh, is it in a common enterprise yes it's it's, it's a company uh is it an investment of funds or money Technically, no, but the SEC could argue it and say, yes, it is because you're putting your money in there and you're expecting money back. And is it derived from, is the value derived from the efforts of others? So because we're lending our money, that money is being used by others and that's how we're generating interest. Technically, yes. So it fits at least three of the four how we test questions, or at least now, it fails. So, what's the difference between that? What do they consider that, the difference between that and a savings account? uh so yeah no, no, that's a good point i don't know how the uh, the regulatory banking system does it as far as well all of them are they not uh registered with the sec 100 they're, they're they're probably registered right so um the, the expectation is that that these crypto companies need to do the same thing and so as of right now and i and i think this will be true for the entire industry uh we're not going to be able to earn interest on new deposits and it's starting with BlockFi. that's kind of like the first domino to go uh all the interest you okay Jeremy? <laughs> oh sorry i got i got a charger situation my 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 computer is low battery my apologies if that caused any disruption there <laughs> looks like you're like spider-man with your little yeah. <laughs> I apologize. no uh yes yeah, so so blockfi is basically telling people any new deposits to their accounts will no longer generate interest and uh if you move your crypto out of blockfi's interest account to your mm -hmm. trading wallet because technically you have two wallets on BlockFi. You have your trading account and you have your interest account. So if you want to move money from your interest account to trade, that's it. You've lost your grandfathered in status. Like, like you won't be able to earn interest, even if you try to move that money back. Um, and, and I think this will probably be true for a bunch of other companies that are paying interest, which makes sense because the industry has been lowering their interest rates. I don't know if you yes. guys are noticing. And that's partially because they, they, they're bracing themselves for the SEC investigations. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on. It was uh, just a matter of time. You know, it, yeah. you, can't, you can't have these products that it's like 8%, 9%. And they're almost pitched as like a, a non-risk product, even though, you know, I think all of us know they're not really a non-risk product. So, so that's one thing that the SEC documents said in there, which I really didn't like. And, and I think this is true for pretty much every crypto company is that they're all oversta overstating, grossly overstating how over collateralized those loans are. Um, so for anyone unfamiliar, it's, it's like if, if we want to borrow money on, on BlockFi, we can't just borrow $100 without giving something up, right? So, uh, for example, you might need to deposit $200 to get BlockFi's $100. These, these are not real. They're just paper I'm, just, I'm just waiting for you to do a magic trick of some kind. What was surprising to me is that, uh, what was it, the Ave Infinite Money Loop? Have you seen this, guys, Andre? No. Quite interesting. Save $1,000. They'll lend mm -hmm. you 80%. So mm -hmm. now you have... Now you have cash. 
Yeah. And then you take that cash, move it to another platform, basically, and then transfer it back. So yeah. let's say, or use that cash, you could buy Ethereum, transfer it out, move it back in. Then they'll lend you 80% on your 80%. Yeah. And you could lend your, you know, 80% oh, on six. And you, you keep going down. So basically, uh, and um, it was Tech Lead, actually, that made a video on this. Mm-hmm. And he, for fun, just decided to see how far he could take it. He did this like 15 times. He no was way. Off of what dollar amount? Uh, I think it was $1,000. $1,000. Like okay. That. So, so but it wasn't from leverage. Six it wasn't, Yeah. It wasn't from BlockFi, though, was it? No, it was Aave. Okay, but, okay. So but, I'm not familiar with that platform, but yes. But how do I, I'm looking at almost any platform, you yeah. know, with cryptocurrency because it's it's coming in as a new new asset. It's not like you know cash. Let's just say um, th- there's very little way to regulate the the fact that you you can't just you could take it out, move it back in, and, and leverage again. Yeah. You, it's so easy yeah. to get on eighty percent. You could six x leverage. See, that that to me is not a particularly safe loan. Like that's not even a one-to-one collateralized loan. Like ideally you want to be like, I put in $200 and I was able to borrow, you know, $100. Like, okay, cool. That's a safe loan. Uh, But in this case, it doesn't see, it's like 80% of my loan. That's crazy. Um, Well, yeah. So putting in a hundred bucks, you'll get 80. You could loan 80 of that. But even borrowing 50%, I mean, you're still going to be able to, three yeah. x your leverage so here's here's the, here's the scary part it if if um if we get a winter or a crypto bear market right and prices fall it's going to cause you know liquidations price drops uh more liquidations price drops even more we get a huge fast hard move downward uh like a price spiral to the downside now that's not the biggest risk the biggest risk is imagine if that happens right and people run for the exit and they want to sell their stable coins and they want to move out from stable coins back to their dollars. That would be catastrophic because if there's not enough liquidity for people to withdraw that money because everyone is selling and no one's buying, there's no pressure on the buy side, that could mean potentially that the stable coin could be worth less than a dollar just because people are like, I'll, I'll sell it for 90 cents if I have to. Like, yeah, it's potentially, it's very possible and that would trigger a huge problem. So that's what the SEC is really trying, I think, to, to make sure it doesn't happen. And, and that, that glitch, that, that seems sketchy. That's horrifying. Yeah. Robin, keep in mind, Robin had, had the same issue two years ago with their infinite money glitch of people uh, yeah. buying options, then selling them, but then using that money to then buy more. And that's how people were able to deposit like five grand and get a million dollars and just do this over and over and over again. And if they lose it, then it's like, well, they had nothing to lose anyway. So you, you get one shot mm-hmm. at making it big. And uh, if you lose it, well, you were worth $5,000 to begin with. So <laughs> yeah, what are the, it's, it's, it's crazy. Nuts. So all of these, all of these th- techniques we're talking about for infinite money glitch, they're all arbitrage opportunities. Like there's, there's the, the crypto market is so inefficient. You could like if you dedicated your entire like year to, to finding all these inefficiencies, you could probably make a, a million dollars a year doing this and just trading so, back hey, and forth assets. Yeah, I, I got a question here. Isn't that um, a little bit? Isn't that how FTS got FTX got off the ground? Yes. Wasn't the guy making like a million dollars yes. a day or something? Yeah. That's how so Sam Sam Bankman-Fried, he's I think he's a genius, and yeah. again, he's the sponsor of. Our, our whole series here, FTX, the link is down below in the screen, uh, description. After this, I'd highly recommend you to just YouTube Sam Bankman-Fried. Just YouTube. Yeah. Just see what he's all about. Uh, I remember seeing this guy over the last like three years and thinking to myself, this guy is like a genius. You could tell how like how involved he is in crypto just by the way he speaks, his knowledge, his passion, everything about him. Um, yeah. But yeah, he made, I think it was $20 million doing crypto arbitrage and yeah. just finding an inefficiency, bridging the gap, making a profit, then putting that back in to do the same thing with a little bit more, doing it again, doing it again. Pretty soon he's moving like a million dollars of Bitcoin a day from one to another, making a small profit, just keep doing that 20 million bucks. And I think he was like 19 years old when he did that. 
I, I think I've got the story with something like he was making a million dollars a day at one point or something like that. I, don't I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, to make a billion dollars, I don't know how much he's worth, but <laughs> you have to be making at he's, least. He's got to be. He's got to be worth like twenty, thirty billion dollars at this point because he owns the majority. I believe he owns the majority of F FTX. I think a big yeah. part of that was self-funded from doing this. And uh, you know, I see the comment here. Is it legal though? It's completely legal. It's, it's completely it's, legal. Yeah. It's. It's the exact same as what dropshippers do. Imagine we got this uh, Huel thing here, and I could buy it for a dollar, and I sell it to you for five. Every single business, that's their business model. What he is doing is he's buying cryptocurrency on a platform where it's cheaper and then bringing it to another platform where it's more expensive and there's more demand. If anything, arbitrage opportunities like this are good for the market. They're a great thing because that way it balances everything out. It takes... Uh, buying demand on those on the site where there's not a lot of buying demand and brings it to a website with too much and so it, it's all about leveling the playing field leveling the market so by the way this is not, want this, yeah by the way this is not just exclusive to crypto this happens in the stock market with high frequency oh, yeah. uh, uh traders with with uh I'm sure Jeremy could explain it better but it's it's this the spread between the bid and the ask price so some websites with not a lot of liquidity will have a much bigger bid ask spread and uh, it, it, where you can buy a stock for a, a specific value and then transfer it over somehow to, I don't know exactly how to do this, but you, you make pennies every single time. You're just scalping it off the top and you can make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. And there's a, you, you know, it's, it's in terms of like corporate finance and whatnot, there's always uh if you're going to do a big, big buy, um, you can try to have like a middleman um, sometimes in the investment banking world, basically try to connect a buyer and seller. So let's say, you know, I wanted to buy, you know, $50 million of FedEx stock, for instance, that's a huge chunk. And I don't know if I bought 50 mil all at once, it might spike the price, right? And so there might be a middleman that can kind of find a seller over here so we can make this deal happen um, without it being too ridiculous. And somebody that yeah. wants to sell 50 million doesn't jump, you know, dump it all on the market at one time. And then me, I don't spike the price, right? So yeah, that definitely goes on in stocks, and uh, it doesn't surprise me that people found the the inefficiencies in crypto, and the, with the stock market, it's just been around so long that you don't even get those sorts of opportunities as a little guy anymore, right? The, the, everything that's been you know could have been crafted up has already been crafted up in crypto, you know, especially in the past. Crypto is probably getting to that point now where it's. Um, so many people are trying to look for the next you know thing it's getting harder but uh gosh yeah um i, I remember when when wrapped assets came out like like wrapped ethereum and wrapped bitcoin there, there was a huge difference in price between the wrapped version of the asset and the unwrapped version of the asset what was so that all about andre they, they would just people would just trade between those two and and wrapped versus unwrapped i'm not 100 percent sure exactly how it works but but one allows you to basically spend on, on maybe NFT platforms and people will sell, for example, an NFT for a wrapped Ethereum. Uh, and you would have to convert your ETH to a wrapped ETH and then buy it with that. But the price difference between the wrapped ETH and the non-wrapped was substantial enough to make a difference. Wow. I never even heard of this wrapped ETH and, and unwrapped ETH. Like what the heck? Jeremy's like a wrap. Is that like a wrap battle? <laughs> what are they rapping raptor <laughs> back in my day <laughs> oh, gosh man wow that's something yeah. else so hey and by the way bitcoin um bitcoin's come back pretty strong now it seems like it's chilling a little bit any any major catalyst for bitcoin in the short term i see it trading at 44 here is it just kind of just ukraine. normal stuff no just the ukraine situation right now that it's eased mm -hmm. up a little bit people are like oh cool okay i guess i'll buy back in any, any yeah, big announcements with Ethereum? Anything going on there? Just normal stuff? Uh, I haven't seen anything. Uh, okay. there... Ethereum's up about 4% right now. So I just was curious if there's anything big going on that I didn't know of. But um, yeah, yeah it's, it seems like all just normal price movement volatility. It seems as though it's interesting. The more economic tension there is, the better cryptocurrency tends to do. Uh, so I think any sort of economic instability or uncertainty, I think crypto is, is going to be that kind of like gold where people kind of rush to it during times of uncertainty, like, like, you know, economic conditions. 
So I, I actually disagree with that. Um, I, I think people do view it as that, but I got to say I disagree. You know, if we really look at Bitcoin, you know, hadn't really been doing much until the big Fed pump came. And then the Fed pump came and Bitcoin went beast mode. Right. And it went from like five thousand to almost seventy thousand at the peak. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the Fed's laying back. And what, what what's happened since then, obviously, Bitcoin's kind of faltered. And if you look at gold. Gold made a massive run once the Fed started pumping as well. So I feel like gold, Bitcoin, everything, everybody wants to think like the Fed doesn't have an impact. But I think actually the Fed probably has as big of an impact, if not more of a big impact on those um, than actually even the stock market, believe it or not. So um, well, I think you know, a lot a lot of the Bitcoin purchase, some of that was over. Well, I'm sure a big chunk of that was also overseas. But I think a lot of that was in a response to a declining dollar or 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 any sort of weakening dollar for the U.S., I think people saw Bitcoin as a as a good hedge against that, so they could have their money in to centralize something or other that was different from a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I think what Graham, if anything, is trying to say is is Bitcoin just loves volatility because traders love volatility. It just gives them more opportunities to make profits, right? And that's why it's it's so much fluctuation in the crypto market. Is is you know traders love that kind of price action. A hundred percent. By the way, do you guys know any uh, strict uh, like crypto traders? I, I've never met a crypto trader in my life. Like somebody that's actually like day trading cryptocurrencies. No, I don't. I don't know of anyone personally. No. Yeah, it was, I, I that was like... so common back in two thousand. Was it seventeen? I knew yeah. so many crypto traders. Yeah. So many. Everyone was like <laughs> day trading Bitcoin, and the and the thing, and the price just kept going up. So yeah. you don't even have to be a good trader as long as you just hold for twenty four hours. You're making money. Yeah. Wow. Or you could just not trade and hold it and you'll still yeah. make money and save yourself the stress. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Wait, you know what I just thought of? Uh, wait till the days uh, the big index funds uh, come for, for crypto. So think of it as like a basket of the 20 biggest cryptocurrencies or whatever. That would be so bad. I would hate for that to happen. I would not want a basket of random cryptos to to. It's just, I just don't think most of them are going to do anything. They're going to, if anything, they're going to drag down the leading ones. Just give mm. me one with like Bitcoin and Ethereum in it. That's all. We don't need to throw in a bunch of other stuff in there. It's not necessary. Oh, man. I would. I would. I would. Well, the thing is, I like basically Bitcoin, Ethereum, but I would not be opposed to a, to a top 10 rotating index fund, kind of like the S&P 500 of like the, the crypto 10, something like that. Now, the, the downside is that... Uh, there are, I'm sure there are going to be times where like one crappy coin just gets pumped up to the top 10 and like, or maybe, you know what, there's probably got to be a rule where it's like, it's got to stay there for six months. It's got to have, like, I don't, I don't know who does that, who yeah. oversees something like that, but it's got to like stay there for six oh, months. But the problem is but the index will probably still contain, you know, like 80% split between Bitcoin and Ethereum and the other 20% will be in all these other altcoins. Yeah. And even then, and even then it's, it's the cryptos that get pumped to the moon, like instantaneously in a flash that make it to the top 10. So I feel like, if anything, it's just going to drag your performance down. If, if we were smart, gentlemen, what we would do is quit YouTube today and just pursue this idea of creating this index fund uh, for crypto. Because I'm telling you, whoever's there first and becomes a big name, dude, they're going to make so much money. Even if you're getting like a quarter percent, half a percent, because the amount of people that would want to do that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Jeremy, it already yet. exists in Europe. It already, all of that stuff already exists in Europe. It's just not here in the U.S. yet. It's the, this, wow. the, that's what we're talking about. All this ETF approval, the spot mm -hmm. ETF, that, that's what it is. Like yeah. everyone's trying it. You know, all the, all the yeah. billionaires, all the, anyone who owns anything, any business is trying it because they yeah. know that gold mine. Yeah. But we can do it. We could do well, it, gentlemen. Do it. <laughs> These influencers on YouTube can do it, but the billionaires with their coin bases no. can't do it. <laughs> they don't want it as bad as us, okay? They don't want it as bad as us. I uh, got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All gosh. right. Yeah, so uh, let's see. What, what are we buying out there? Earnings season's going on. So the, the, there's a Corsair news, obviously, the S&P 600 small cap. Uh, we got Shopify earnings coming up in the morning. We've got NVIDIA earnings after the bell tomorrow, which NVIDIA is now one of the biggest market cap companies in the world, gentlemen. Crazy. Yeah. And I we've mean, got a Fed meeting tomorrow as well. So that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah. The, the Fed, the Fed's finally been chilling in the backdrop now. And all of a sudden, we're going to talk about the Fed. Great. The market's tanking again. 
just great. Yeah. So yeah. what's the what's the purpose of the Fed meeting tomorrow? Because again, I've not kept up to date on on what's going on. It's it's just their 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 monthly meeting, I guess. It's the I don't know exactly what he's going to say. But why would yeah? Why would anyone pay attention to that? Uh, just because everyone's expecting the Fed to come in and fight this inflation, right? They're like, oh, is there going to be an emergency rate hike? Is it, you know, are they going to combat yeah. this? Inflation? No, they That's made it tough. so clear that they want to wait until they've they've declined, they stop their asset purchases, and they've said that since the very beginning. Yeah, and they have like four weeks to go. Like, why would they? Why on earth? Uh, would yeah. They why would they raise high uh, rates when they're still, you know, printing? That's that's true. It doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's rumors though that they might make a move after the CPI came in worse than expected, and then Bullard keeps going out there and talking about, oh, we need to raise at least a, you know, half a percent. And I don't know if you guys have seen. Now there's uh some of these Wall Street banks are talking about eight rate hikes this year. Now eight. I read seven. I read seven. I didn't hear eight yeah. yet. Eight, yeah, now, eight. Nice. yeah. Eight, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they're gonna have nine rate hikes this year. <laughs> Give me some attention. That, that's all it is. It's like you know what? And then Andre's gonna be like, you know what? I say ten. Be like, all right, now he gets the headline. Graham yeah. says there's nine rate hikes. Andre says yeah. there's ten. Jeremy says let's. Yeah, you call up your PR manager. You're like, hey, how do I be relevant in the news right now? Just. They're like, just, just say there's gonna be 10 rate hikes this year. <laughs> okay, got That's it. what it is. I feel like it's just this, like everyone's just shouting just the most ridiculous things they could think of. And then they get some headline attention. I don't know. Yeah. What happened to two to three? Didn't we yeah. used to think, yeah, it was going to be two to three. And now, now we're talking like eight. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I think it's getting out of hand. People, people, people's imagination. Uh, Jeremy, quick question for you. So, so I read this a lot in, in, in headlines where it's like, oh, the market's pricing in uh, nine increases. Can you explain to me how are they, how do they know how much the market is pricing in? Like, what are they looking at? It's a, it's a really honestly a guessing game on what the market is pricing in or what they're not pricing in. Um, okay. In my opinion, the market is pricing in, I would say, four to five rate hikes this year. And when I say four to five, okay. I'm really talking about. Yeah. Explain this to me. How? What does that mean? I'm like, where are you looking at? And you're like, this number means five. What, what is yeah, that? Yeah, it, it's kind of it's a it's a vibe more than a number. Uh, at it's the end of the day, <laughs> it's a vibe. <laughs> there's no way it's a it's a vibe. And yeah, no they kind of vibe it out. They can kind of feel they they read the comments on Reddit and uh, it seems like yeah. <laughs> like which way? Yeah, the wind, wind is blowing, blowing in this direction. So uh, yeah, it's kind of feeling out a little bit. Surprising, <laughs> four to five. It, kind of it, it's what it is. It's it's never exact. Uh, stocks and crypto. It's it's oh, never shit. exact. It's a guessing game. I, I think everybody likes to think like, oh, it's an exact reason why this is happening, and this is an exact reason why Bitcoin's going up today, or uh, you know, the market's going up. It, it doesn't work like that. And so there's no such thing as, oh, the, the market's priced in this exact amount or something like that. It's kind of a guessing game on on what you're you're thinking. Um, and there's going to be different people that have different opinions. Uh, there's going to be some folks that are experts in this and would say, oh, I think there's probably four rate hikes, uh, you know, baked in. I, think, Other I say, can't accept that as an answer, Jeremy. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Why is it four and not three or five and not two? Like, yeah. It really goes back to the consensus. Like, what is the average person that is a hedge fund manager, mm -hmm. big money? What are they thinking? So okay. I guess that's the best way you can kind of explain it. And from what I've seen, the majority that have gone out there or have been saying four to five. But that's over mm -hmm. the past few months. And the thing is, people's opinions change. So now all of a sudden, maybe the consensus becomes five to six. If all of a sudden you have analysts talking about eight, everybody kind of starts bringing up their expectations. They're like, wait a minute. I was thinking four to five, but you know what? Now I'm thinking five to six. No, I'm thinking six to seven, actually. And so that that it's it's honestly kind of a, a little bit of a guessing game as far as that goes. But um, I, I would say from what I've heard from most people on Wall Street, they're expecting four to five. But the thing that's frustrating is when people talk about four to five rate hikes, no one's really being specific on how big the raises are being each time. It's assumed they're talking about a quarter point each time. But we hear Bullard talking about doing a half a half a percent each time. And so. If you talk about four rate hikes at a half at a half a point each time, all of a sudden we're at two point what two five by the end of this year or whatever. If you're talking about eight rate hikes at 0.5, now we're talking about four point whatever uh, percent interest rates from the Fed funds rate at the end of this year. Imagine what that would do to mortgage rates, auto rates. Oh my gosh, that would be insane. It seems like the telephone game to me, yeah. man. It's like I've got a stock that I think could really excel, 
Excel, sell, sell. <laughs> it's like, uh, good. I'm out of here. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye. Uh, it's just like, yeah. uh, I agree. I yep. agree with that. I don't know. I think these are all just, they're all just numbers. People are just yeah. guessing. They're guessing like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Some, some people are taking it into consideration. I don't know. The more I pay attention to the market, the more it bothers me with just like how just intricate things could get and just, I don't know. To me, it seems so simple. Just buy and hold. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. So it's like, you know, at first it's fun to pay attention to anything, but like after years, I'm just like, I'm over it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's got to a point where I don't care anymore. It's just, yeah. I don't that's a, that's a good that's a good thing uh graham i mean macroeconomics can be so complicated and what i've learned over time you know it, it, when it comes to macroeconomics is almost everything you can see as a positive or a negative it's like do you want to see it as a glass half full or half empty for instance yes. um for a long time wages weren't moving up and so i would see the experts go on cnbc or whatever and be like wages aren't going up that's bad for the economy you know yeah sure unemployment's dropping but wages aren't going anywhere so that's bad right now we got a situation where everybody's talking about wages going up and that's seen as a bad by certain people like wages are going up this is bad it's going to hurt corporate profits when before it was like wages aren't going up so it means people can't go out and buy more stuff or do this or do that so it doesn't matter what you 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 know whatever way you want to shake it if unemployment is rising right or going up people say well that's bad people are losing jobs that's not good on the flip side we got unemployment really low right now and continue to drop people are like hey that's bad because wages are going to go up now so literally you could always twist these things as a positive or negative and um there was a great video a, a youtuber did recently joseph carlson and he was looking back at peter schiff which you know peter schiff's obviously a, a popular guy and uh, you know pretty much a perma bear but when, what he what he showed was you know uh, peter schiff got a lot of praise for calling the great recession right and he went on a lot of, of news channels and things like that in 06 07 08 and called for the the housing crisis and all that but what you find is he he dug up videos back from 2002 where Peter Schiff was saying the same thing. Then he dug up videos from 2010 where Peter Schiff was saying, oh, we're, we're about to, you know, market's about to tank, da, da, da. He pulled up videos from 11, from 12, from 15, from so 17, I'm, 19. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's, it's, uh, it's what magicians do when they ask you to pick a card. So I don't have a deck of cards, but let's say I had a deck of cards and I was like, pick a card, right? And you picked whatever card. And then I ask you, what's your card? And you're like, three of clubs. And I'm like, sweet. Uh, take a look under this vase. Uh, and then it's your card. But what you don't know is that I have 51 other outs. And I know exactly where each card is located. And if you tell me one card, the location would change. And I still look like a genius. But you have no idea that I have 52 different possibilities. Because you have no idea where I'm going with it. And so it's exactly the same thing with economists. Like they'll say something and it sounds ambiguous. It's almost like cold reading where you can say something and eventually you'll look like a genius and it'll yeah. apply. And it's funny because we pay attention to those people's successes more than their failures of which they have like 90% more of. We never like call them out and say, well, what about the other 10 times you were wrong? It's so that's, it's, it's the same principles in entertainment. It's actually really interesting. Yeah. And he, he, he also pulled up in that video, by the way, he pulled up the, uh, returns of Peter Schiff's funds over time. What oh was my it? Gosh. Oh, some of them were awful. I mean, we're talking about like, not just underperforming the market, but I'm talking about like, one of them was like somehow negative. I'm like, how is that even negative over the past like 10 years or whatever? One of them was like such a low return is, you know, watch Joseph Carlson's video. It, it's a great one. But, uh, I, I was just amazed. I was like, you know, since the funds is inception, like some of them were, were such low returns. It's like, geez it's out of control but um yeah, yeah so anyways guys we were you making any extra moves this week you buying on i heard you were buying uh call options on shopify tomorrow graham is that true <laughs> <laughs> i bought some uh some good old bitcoin ethereum s p 500 some international uh i did you know what did what did i buy i did think i bought hold on i'll be able to tell you right now i did think i i bought 10 shares of paypal uh at 114 and i bought more coinbase at 193 and i mm. bought five shares of adobe at 478. nice so sometimes mm -hmm. I'll, I'll see some of these companies that i see you know if, if there's a big sell-off or something i just like to you know buy here and there it's nothing serious i mean you know five shares of this compared to significantly more in the s p 
So mm. I would say it's probably five million five, in the SEC. M- way more. Yeah. Way more. <laughs> way more. Yeah, I've, way more. I have more than that. I've I've been I've been doing like three to five grand a day in the S and P for almost two years. Well, well, more said, actually. Five million. So oh, 55 million. Oh, I thought you said a million. Oh, <laughs> you're like, you're like way more. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, man. I wish. Way more. <laughs> okay, I've been doing 3,000 3, a day in the SP. <laughs> oh, oh God. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So, uh, earning season. Yep. It's fun, guys. But, you know, business as usual. So, what do we, what do we tell the folks out there? Should they stay calm or should they panic? Probably best to, to panic. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't panic. Futures just yeah. dumped 3,000 uh, points yeah. on Graham's comment. <laughs> Dow Futures. <laughs> you got to uh, buy and hold. You got to buy the dip and keep holding. That's yes. it. Yeah, Honestly, forever. I see every, every day for me is like it's a coin toss. Is it green or red? Flip a coin. It's like mm-hmm. that that's how it is to me you have a 50 50 chance of being right in a given day uh mm-hmm. it's probably you're gonna get more green days overall than red but yeah every day now it's just flip a coin heads or tails that that's the way i see it you know over the long run it's gonna be impossible to predict it but uh we'll see wow by the i dip. love that by the dip that's that's it gentlemen Alrighty, well, thanks everybody for joining us on this Millennial Money episode. We had a lot of fun as always. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Don't forget to smash for us and hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. It's absolutely free to do so. And also thank you to FTX for being our sponsor for the day. We appreciate you, FTX, and make sure you guys check out FTX down in the comment section. Andre Graham, you guys got anything to say to the Yeah, program? yeah. Go and watch Sam Bakeman Freed because because uh, yeah. I know some people see the FTX sponsorship. They don't understand um when i started watching sam bakeman fried i understood it so just and, and he's an interesting guy just yeah. listen to one of his interviews you see him it looks like he's uh in like a college dorm room with like dirty clothes and stuff in the back and he's got like a whole bunch of like what looks like gaming equipment around uh and meanwhile he's worth like 20 billion dollars like this guy is a genius yeah. so so go and sam bankman fried they're they're the ones that are sponsoring this so it's and and this is not a plug they did not ask me to say this i'm just like a genuinely I really like him a lot. I've never met the guy. I've never talked to him, but just yeah. super interesting. So anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. Subscribe, like button, and yep. next time. Don't forget to smash for Valentine's and smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.